Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Last Sunday, for those of you that may be new here today, this, we're, we're making our way through um, the book of James in the New Testament. And uh, we, we started a couple weeks ago. We've started a series that we're calling um, Faultless Faith and uh, a faith that doesn't have, you know, cracks in it where it kind of leaks out uh, of our lives. And today we're going to pick back up where we left off. We left off last week in verse 18, and we're going to pick up uh, in that verse because there's a thought that to me is kind of like a transition thought for what we're going to cover today. Today we're going to try to make our way through verse 27. Um, all, all that Kathy read to us, we're going to move through. And didn't she read good? Oh, she's not in here. I'm not going to get credit for that. That's right. I forgot she was stepping out. Um, Anyway, y'all be sure to tell her I said that. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Um, Anyway, we're going to make our way there. But I want to go back to verse 18 and just look, look at what it says. It says, God decided to give us life through the word of truth. So much of the life that we have in Christ comes to us now through the word of God. The word of truth is, as it's also called, the Bible. NIV says he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Now, he gave us physical life. We talked about that a little bit last week um, as we celebrated uh, Sanctity of Life Day. But for those of us who have put our trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we received a new birth. And God's word is telling us, James is writing to us that there's power in that through the word of God. Now, Jesus was called the living word of God, but he has also given us his word in writing. And so all of this has to do with our salvation. I I wrote about this week um, in our kind of weekly update, uh, the email that goes out, that while James, the apostle, would have obviously been deeply interested in, in all three aspects of our salvation, he is focusing his letter on really one of those that we're studying together, and he's pointing out how we are currently being saved from the power of sin. Uh, the, the other tenses are we can be, we, we, we've been saved through, from the penalty of sin when we trusted Christ. We're being saved by the pow, from the power of sin here and now, and, and the Word of God has so much to do that. And we're going to be saved from the possibility of sin when Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom and we rule and reign with him forever. But James is helping us focus right now on how do we uh, live outside of the power that sin seeks to suck us in. And so he's writing about that. And he's telling us that God's word um, is daily saving us from sin's power in our lives if we will engage it, if we'll fully embrace it. Look at James chapter 1, verse 25. It says this, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law We'll come back to that in a minute. That gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Cheryl, again, if you just kind of keep that verse up for a moment, I want us to look at this, how moment by moment in our daily lives, God is choosing to bless us through his word. Now, in in our nation, let's take America. In, in, in our nation, Bibles are plentiful. You can find them and get them in grocery stores. You can get them in, you know, they're in motel rooms. You can get them everywhere. They're all shapes and sizes and, and colors and translations and versions and leather-bound and fake leather-bound and paperback and on your phones. You know, you can get every translation and carry them, carry them anywhere. But in our nation, there is also 
so many followers of Jesus who are missing the blessing that God wants to give us through his word. Why? Or maybe how's a better question. How, 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 how are we missing that? Because it's not automatic. It, just because you own one of these, you're not automatically going to be blessed by it. You, you got you to gotta engage with it. And it's filled with promised blessings to comfort us and strengthen us and move hope to soar in our lives and give us wisdom and joy and, and purpose and, and, and power. But just because you own one doesn't mean you're going to benefit from it. And so James, being the practical apostle that he is, is trying to help us develop habits if you would, uh, in what he's writing us today, that if we'll continually embrace um, some basic habits that he's going to show us, we can be blessed by God's word. And we're going to cover three of them today. So look back at, at verse 25 again, if you would. It says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. The Bible is called perfect law because it is exactly and everything that we need. It promises freedom from the, the power of sin, and it promises blessing. But we've got to embrace the habits that James is compelling us to step into. So the first one that I want us to look at today is this, is I must receive God's word if I'm going to be blessed by it. We have to receive God's word into our lives. Look at verse 21 again. And humbly accept the word planted in your heart. Now that word there, accept, is a, it, it, the Greek word that it comes from is like a hospitality term. It literally means to, to welcome. It, it means to in, invite in. So if we're going to be blessed by the word of God, we got to welcome it into our lives. we gotta, we got to be receptive to it. And then James gives this illustration. He talks about it being planted in you. And he's giving us this imagery, if you would, of seeds being planted like in, in a garden. And all through the Bible, uh, God's word is compared to seed. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells this parable of the sower who went out to scatter the seed. And in, uh, in Matthew 13, Jesus specifically tells us that it's the word of God. And later in that parable, he, he goes down and he tells us that it is planted in our heart. Let me ask a question. How is it that you could take two identical seeds, plant them in two different locations, and have completely different yields? One produces so much more than the other because the soil was prepared differently. And the same is true in, in a human life. You can set the same, you know, two different people in a same kind of Christian setting of study or worship and listen to the same message and one person is blessed by it and the other person walks out and didn't get a thing out of it. And I, I believe that James is showing us here that one heart was prepared and the other wasn't. The apostle Peter tells us about this, this seed of God's word. First Peter chapter 1 verse 23 says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. James says we've got to receive it. We've got to bring it into our lives. And then he tells us, he gives us three ways, to, or four ways to do that actually. Um, is we've got to have uh, set our minds a certain way. 
in order to fully receive it. So it has to do with uh, a mindset of how we can receive God's word. First, he says we have to come carefully to God's word. This is four ways to come to God's word and receive it. We have to come carefully to God's word. And again, this has to do with a mindset. Look at verse 19 of James 1. Everyone should be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. Give, give your full attention, James is saying, to God's word. Be alert. Don't, don't you know, get distracted. Don't miss out. And then he says, we should be quick to listen, but we should be slow to speak. See, when we're talking, we're, we're not listening in a conversation. We're, you know, and, and sometimes people, even though they're not talking, they're not listening because they're preparing what they're going to say next. See, God, God gave us how many ears? Dos. How many mouths? Uno. You know, we, we just, there's a reason for that. There's something that we can learn from that. We need to learn to listen at least as twice as much as we talk. Many, many, many of the problems that we get ourselves into are because we're quick to speak and slow to listen. So we've, James, James is saying you've got to come and set your mind to receive God's word by coming carefully to it. Secondly, James tells us we need to come calmly to God's word. Again, back to, to verse 19, we need to have this calm state when we come to God's word. Look at verse uh, 19. He says, and slow to become angry. You know, we, we, we've got to come to God's word with this receptive heart that is relaxed, um, that, that, that is, you know, kind of ready to, to receive. One of the reasons that a lot of people don't hear what other people are saying is because their spirit is filled with anger or bitterness or resentfulness or they're just upset about something in life. See, things like that, bitterness, bitterness is, is a blockage, it's a barrier. And it keeps us from, from not only hearing from others, but hearing the voice of God. You know, you may be one of those folks who may ask the question, how come, how come God never speaks to me like he does to, to so-and-so? Well, maybe, maybe there's some resentment in your life that you need to, to get rid of. Maybe there's some bitterness. Maybe you're, you're holding a grudge against somebody out there. Those of you that know, I had a you know, little event back in the summer. Um, and, and because of that little event that I had, I now know more about things like blood pressure and heart rates that I ever wanted to know in my life. You know, I just, I do now know more about them. And so I've, you know, I, my, my eyes are drawn to articles about that kind of stuff. And one article I, I read said that when you listen to somebody else speak, you actually lower your blood pressure. Now, if they're nagging you, probably not, but, you know, no, normal conversations. But when you speak, your blood pressure goes up. So my blood pressure is going up as I'm speaking. I know that I'm on medication now, so don't freak out, you know, it's, it's all good. See, James tells us when we come to God's word, we need to be calm. What's your emotional state when you come to, you know, to Sunday morning service? I think a lot of people, you know, Sunday mornings are like hectic and chaotic. They, they get here kind of at the last minute and their, their souls aren't prepped in any way, which is one of the reasons why we also worship the way that we do and try to move your soul to a place to receive God's word in a spirit of, of calmness so that you can, you can step into that calmly. A third mindset that James says we need to come to God's word if we want to receive it. We need to come cleanly to God's word. You know, the, the truth is before you can plant seeds, oftentimes you got to remove weeds. 
It's just, it's good practice if you're going to plant seeds. You need to remove weeds. Uh, James says in, in verse 21 again, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Now, that word filth that he uses there, the Greek word for filth there is the Greek word rupas. And rupas has kind of as its root this idea of a greasy, kind of waxy, kind of dirt. This is going to sound gross, but like a big old glob of earwax, you know. And if, you got, if, you got your, if your ears are filled with that kind of stuff, you can't hear very well. Well, unrepentant sin in our lives is like that. It blocks us from hearing God, preventing us from God's word getting into our heart. And so James tells us, get rid of all that. I love the way the Living Bible translates it. It says, so get rid of all that is wrong in your life, both inside and out. Get rid of evil, anything that we know that is not of God in our lives. God says, lay it aside. Lay down the emotional garbage. Lay down the the old habits, the junk that's in your life so that God's word can get in and find a place. Well, how do we do that? How do we we take steps to, to get clean, if you would? John, the apostle, tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just or faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus will do the cleansing. If you come to him and confessing, which is agreeing, hey, Jesus, you pointed this out in my life, and I, I, want, I want to I get rid of it. I, want it. I want it out. I'm agreeing with you. It's destroying me. We have to come clean in the presence of God with our sin. And then fourthly, James tells us that if we want to receive God's word fully, we've got to come compliantly to God's word. We've got to come teachable. We've got to come yielded. We've got to come humble which means you're willing to be changed by the word of God. Look at verse 21 again. It says, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Friends, that means when you come to God's word, you can't come like you know it all. You, 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 can't, you, you can't, you know, if, if you come to God's word thinking that you know it all, there's no place for God's word in you. So you need to pray, God, what do you want? What do you want from your word in my life? God says, if you want to be blessed, first you have to receive it. You have to have this receptive heart. And those, those four kind of mindsets, if you would, will help you receive God's word. But receiving it, it, it itself is not enough. You've also got to learn to reflect on God's word if you're going to be blessed by it. There's a kind of reflecting of God's word in your life and, and reflection that has to take place. Look at verses 23 and 24. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So James now is using this illustration of a mirror. And he's showing that the purpose of a mirror is kind of to evaluate us. You know, we, we evaluate our, 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 our outside person, if you would, using a mirror. You know, you get up in the morning. You know, and you go look in the mirror and you see the, you know, and you, uh, uh, you know, kind of assess the damage that was done the night before and figure out what do I do with this mess now, you know, and comb your hair or, or, or whatever. We, and we think about doing something about it. You know, a mirror is absolutely no good if all we do is look at it and don't do anything about what we see. God's word here is telling us that mirrors kind of help us with the outside, but his word reflects 
what's going on on the inside. And so here's a question we need to ask ourselves regularly. Am I ever seeing myself in the Bible? As I read God's word, do I ever see myself? Does it ever ever point to something that I'm struggling with? Does it ever show me something I need to be thankful for? Have you ever seen yourself in God's word? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us the word of God is living and it is active and it's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I remember one time reading about uh, Queen Elizabeth I, not, not Queen Elizabeth we know, but uh, the first. She lived back in like the 1500s. And um, we're told that she was, as a young woman, she was very attractive and that um, as she began aging, she couldn't, she didn't want to see herself. So that any place that she would go into, they would remove mirrors before she got there. Because she didn't want to see herself aging. I think that one of the reasons that Christ followers do not spend more time in God's word is because we don't want it to reflect what's going on in us. We don't want to see ourselves in God's word. We don't, we don't want to deal with that reflection. But James says if we want God's word to bless us, that's got to be a part of it. We've got to, we've got to walk in, in that reflective power of God's word. And so in verse 25, he gives us three, again, very practical actions that we can engage to reflect on God's word. The first one is this. I reflect on God's word when I read it. I know that sounds very simple and practical, but the Apostle James is that way. Look what he says in verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law, that gives freedom. Now, the kind of reading that James is talking about here is in kind of an investigative reading. The word that he uses, looks here, look intently, is the same word. Some of you will remember on, on Resurrection Sunday, that first, first Resurrection Sunday, Mary Magdalene, Jesus had appeared to her. She went running back to the, the apostles to tell them he's risen. He's risen from the dead. And John and Peter take off running to the tomb. And John's faster than Peter. He gets there before Peter does. But he doesn't just run in. He stoops, the Bible says, and looks. He's investigating what's going on. That's what James is talking about here. He's looking intently, gathering, gathering information on what's going, focusing your attention on the Word of God. You know, there, back to the mirror idea for a moment. There's two ways that you can deal with a mirror. You can glance at a mirror or you can gaze at a mirror and you're going to get two different results all of us have done both it's just kind of human nature you're walking in a store and there's a mirror some people will stop and stare other people will just glance you know because they don't want to be caught stopping and staring hi abby abby's here we've been praying for abby i'm I'm sorry just we're glad you're here abby (laughs) okay where was i oh gaze um, you, you, can, you can just glance or, or you can gaze at, at, at a mirror. And God says that he wants us to gaze into his word, to look intently at it, to look at, at, at every detail. And one of the ways that I have found just a practice for me that's helpful is when I'm reading God's word is to ask it questions. 
simple questions. You don't, friend, this is practical. It's not rocket science. But to engage God's word and get it to, to interact with is just ask some questions. Like, did what I just read tell me about a sin I need to confess? Did what I just need show me a promise that I could claim? Did, did what I just read say, dude, you got that attitude right there. You need to change it. Did, was there an example that, that I could possibly follow? You know, was there, was there some kind of truth that I'm not believing about God or about myself that I need to start believing? Is there something I just need to say, God, thank you for this? You know, I, I just, you can throw questions at it. Another great uh, tool for engaging God's word intently is a process called soaping through the scriptures. A lot of you around here are doing that. If you're not, I want to encourage you to consider as a way of reading God's word intently to do something called soaping through it. And it's just an acrostic. S stands for scripture. You read wherever you left off the day before. O stands for observe. You stop and you observe. That's where you throw questions at it. A is apply it. The last question you ask is, God, what do I do with this? How do I apply it to my life? And then the P stands for prayer. You turn that application to prayer. Okay, God, you've told me this. I'm going to go out and do this. God, help me with this. You just kind of turn, turn it into prayer. It's soaping. The, the place that I learned to do that journey of soaping is in a little book called The Divine Mentor. I highly recommend it. We've given a bunch of these out around here. I would encourage you to get a copy of this book. If you're saying, I want to be one of those people who can get blessed by God's word. I need to know how to look at it intently. I would encourage that in you. James says we need to receive his word and we need to reflect on his word by, by reading it. But then he says we need to review it. He goes even further, again, back to verse 25. Uh, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this. There's just got to be a renewing process as, as I do this. It means over and over again. And the Bible calls that kind of reflection meditation. Biblical meditation is not, you know, staring at your belly button and looking at the lint. Um, it, it's, it's, it's focusing your thinking on the word of God over and over again. You don't put your mind in neutral. You put your mind in forward and you drive into God's word. You know? How many of you have ever worried about something? Ever worried about something? Maybe lost sleep. Okay. If you can worry, you can meditate. You could become a, some of you are champion warriors. You could become champion meditators, you know, because all you're doing is focusing your thinking. Why not focus your thinking on the word of God? Why not find a verse that is a promise that you need in your life and just think about it, pray it over and over and over in your life, meditate on it, contemplate it. God, God's word wants to bless you that way. Jesus said in John chapter 8, if you abide in my word and my word remains or abides in you, then you will know that you are my disciples. Some of you, your salvation gets attacked in your mind and you, you wonder, am I even saved? Friends, one of the ways that you can combat that, those lies from Satan, is to meditate on the word of God. It will help you combat that. Jesus has, Jesus has said that. We need, to, we need to read it and we need to review it. It's one of the reasons why we do things like give you worksheets every week that you can pick up or that you can go to on version on your Bible app and so that you can walk out of here having filled out some notes, interacting, and you can go back and review it this week so that the Word of God can get in you. King David said in, in Psalm 119, it's not going to come up on the screen, but in Psalm 119, 97, King David said that he meditated on God's word uh, all day long. 
Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, great, great verse to memorize. It says, meditate on the word that Joshua did. He said, I meditated on, on the word of God day and night so that I would be careful to do everything in it, and then you will be prosperous and successful in all you do. Great verse. If you own a business, that's a great verse for you. You ought to memorize that verse um, so that you can see prosperity and success in all that God does. We need to read it continually. We need to review it continually. And that, that requires being faithful to spending time in, in God's Word. There are some Christians who are more faithful to their Fox News feed than they are to the Word of God. There are some who are more faithful to their ESPN feeds you know, their sports feeds than they are to the Word of God. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on this, but let me ask, I'm just going to ask the question. No, I'm not. I'm just going to make a statement. I believe most of you in here would say out loud, I do not believe everything I read online. I hope to God that you would say that out loud. But I also hope to God that you would say, I do believe everything written in this book. But here's the question. Do you spend more time online than you do in the book? Now, I know you can read the book online, and if you're doing that, you get credit for that. But I think one of the great tragedies in our day is people are spending more time in the thing they say don't really believe than they are in the thing... They are. And James asked, do you want to be blessed? Spend time receiving and reflecting on the word of God by reading it and reviewing it. And then one last thing James says, and remembering it. Look at this. Look at this. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard. We got to remember it. And friends, just Joe personally, I haven't found anything more powerful than scripture memorization for building in my life. It's like giving the Holy Spirit bullets that just sharpen me, you know, that, that move me, that weaponize me when I'm facing evil in the world because I can call on the word of God. Psalms 119 says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Friends, if you are battling a kind of sin, you need to hide some of God's word in your heart. It will help you in that fight. It will help you say no. That's a huge blessing. You're looking for one blessing from God's word? Man, that's a huge one. And, and truthfully, you know this. We, we remember what's important to us. One of the best ways I have found to remember something, I have to write it down these days. You know, I have to put it on sticky notes and stick it, you know, where I'm going to be. And it's just a great way to, to memorize. You know, one of the, I, I would say, you know, I, I love reading statistics and studies and that kind of stuff. Um, but every now and then you come across one that just depresses you. And I would say, I think for, I think this is the most depressing statistic that I ever heard when I think about what I got to do today, like teach. The mo and, and it's from an organization that I love, the United States Air Force. My son's in the Air Force, so I love the Air Force. But in, back in the 70s, they did a study on retention. And they discovered that people forget 95% of what they've heard in 72 hours. And so what, that's, what that says is, three days from now, you will have forgotten 95% of what I said here today. 
Now, for some of you, that would be great if you could remember that long. I mean, you know, 12 minutes and you're just gone. But 95%, poof, gone. But if you write it down, it increases the potential. If you choose to review it, it increases your retaining capacity. James says, receive the word with the right mindset. Reflect on the word by reading and reviewing it and remember it. But James says, that's still not enough. One more thing James encourages us to do in this very brief passage of Scripture. He says we also must respond to God's word if you're ever going to be blessed by it. You've got to respond to God's word. You've got to do something about it. You've got to engage it. You've got to act on it. You've got to live it. Look at verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Practice it. Again, back to that mirror that he talked about earlier. What good is it if you don't do anything about what you've just seen? You know, it's not going to do you any good. Anybody know what auditing a class like in college is about? You can, you know, you can audit a class. Maybe some of you did that. Um, but it's basically, you're not going to get credit for it, but you just want to go in and kind of listen. And so you don't have the pressure of taking tests. And so there's kind of no responsibility. You're kind of relaxed if you do that. You may not even have a whole lot of intention of applying it to your life. Here's what I think one of the great travesties in the church in America is today, is that we're filled with Christians who show up every Sunday who are auditing the class. Just kind of, yeah, I'm here, baby. But I know there ain't going to be a test for me. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm here chilling kind of thing. But you have no intention of walking out and doing anything with what you came and encountered. And friends, we must respond to God's word and let it change us if we want to be blessed by it. James says to do otherwise is self-deception. If we don't let it change us. See, we, we, we think, you know, that just gaining content this is a big travesty in the church in America is that just gaining content makes us spiritually mature. More knowledge is not the test of spiritual maturity. It's not. More Christ-like character, that's the test. That tells you if you're growing as a Christian. And we need to practice it and we need to apply it, put it in our lives. See, the truth is, knowing more of God's word actually makes you more responsible to God for what you know. It doesn't mean you're mature. It just means you're more accountable to God. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, to whom much is given, much is required. James, later on in his letter, that we'll look at it, James 4, 17 says, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Let's say that when I came back from my stay in the hospital and my time away, in recovery, you all got together and said, man, you know, we, Pastor Joe, he's, he's aging a bit. And, um, you know, he's got, he's got furniture problems. His chest has fallen into his drawers. And we, we want to help him. We, we want to help him be healthier again now. And so we're, you, you decide you're going to get together and you're going to go out and buy me that new top-of-the-line uh, book on chair yoga. You know, chair yoga is kind of all the rage for those of us who are more mature. Um, that, that's kind of the deal. And so you go out and buy me the, you know, the top of the line book on that. And you say, Pastor Joe, we read 
you know, countless numbers of people whose lives this has changed. And, you know, it'll help you get strong. It'll increase your aerobic capacity to be a blessing to you. You know, read this book. We actually want you to take some time off, go away and do this. And so I say, great. And so I, I come back and nothing's changed. You know, still having those same problems. And, and you look at me and say, well, what happened? Didn't, didn't, you, didn't you read the book? And I said, oh, yeah, I read the book. Loved the book. Great book. I highlighted it, got it all marked up. It's got all kinds of colors in it and all kinds of stuff like that. Greatest book I ever read, you know. I started a small group so we could all study this book together of people that I love. And you look at me and say, did you ever get in the chair? And I said, nope. That's how so many of us come at this. We read it, and we study it, and we highlight it, and then we go to the next great study. And sure, your Bible needs to be marked up and dealt with and color-coded and all those kinds of things. But it is more important that the Bible gets through you than you get through the Bible. If all you're doing is getting through the Bible and it's not getting through you, James says you're missing the point. Be doers of the word. And we deceive ourselves when we think that if we just had more knowledge, that, you know, we'd be more spiritually mature. We, we need to do the word. See, friends, statistic after statistic and study after study show that right now in our generation, we have more access than ever before to the greatest Christian writings and teachings at our fingertips. And at the same time, we are doing less at obeying the word of God than previous generations have or other cultures who are struggling with persecution do. That we, we, we do less of it even though we have more access to it. Do you intend to do the word of God? See, that's what James is going after because he says God wants you to be blessed. So you, you got to live it. You can't just hear it. You can't just know it. You got you to do it. And we try as best we can around here to make it as simple as we can to access so that you can leave here with something to do. And I want us to, to think about, if you would, real quickly, um, three things that you can engage in doing in just a, in a second. John, I mean, Jesus said in John 13, 7, uh, he had done some teaching, and he, he said to the crowd, now that you know these things, do them. God will bless you for doing them. That's a part of God's plan for us. If you do what the Bible says, that's where the blessing is. And truthfully, I'll just confess my own life. I, I know more about the Word of God than I'm putting into practice right now. And I think that's probably true of all of us. We, we have a lot more knowledge. We probably don't need to learn some deep new truth until we start doing the truth that we have already. But James gives us three examples to close this section of his letter out. And we're going to cover these in depth in the days ahead. But I, wanna, I want you to leave here with three action plans, three things that you can do to actually begin doing God's Word. These are three right responses to God's Word, and they're found in verses 26 and 27. Three things you can start immediately doing. Here's the first one. I can rightly respond to God's Word when I begin to control my mouth. 
when I start controlling my mouth, one of the clearest ways that you and I can know that you're a doer of his word. Look at this, James chapter 1, verse 26. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Do you practice self-control over your words? Or are you one of those people who loves to shoot off their mouth? Like with you, it's July the 4th all the time. You're just popping them off. You know, you can absolutely know that you are beginning to rightly respond to the word of God by managing your mouth more. The first half of the third chapter of James is all about that. And we're going to look at that more deeply in in weeks ahead. But you can begin this today. You can go to the Holy Spirit and, and just pray. Holy Spirit, help me be more mindful of when to remain silent, of when to listen And be quick to do that and slower to speak. Begin praying for supernatural mouth management. Just ask the Holy Spirit for that. Second, right response that you can engage to be a doer of the word is to develop care from your heart. You can, you know, I can respond to God's word when I I care from my heart. Are you growing more concerned for others? Even for those you may not know. James tells us, look look at this in verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless, that's where our series title comes from, is faultless faith, is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. If you're doing God's word, you will actually begin to engage helping the helpless more. Your, Your social concerns for those that Jesus called the least of these will begin to grow. You'll, you'll grow in care for the homeless or the, the hungry or for moms of unplanned pregnancies or for the unborn child or for the already born child who just can't learn how to read. You, you become a doer of the word when you're growing in compassion for the hurting and are engaging with them, with the outcast, with, with the foreigner among us. You know, and we'll walk into that in more depth in James chapter 2. Third, right response that you can begin engaging to be a doer of the word is you can rightly respond to God's word when you come to God and you're seeking to clean your mind. You know, again, there we're talking about character, spiritual integrity. Again, James verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Your, your heart and mind grow in obedience to the teachings of Jesus. Your, your will, even your desires, slowly begin to transform so that more and more and more you want what God wants. And sometimes that means you need to tell your wanter, wanter, I want to want what God wants more than I want to want what I want. You have, to, you have to literally engage your will that way so that more and more you're walking by the Spirit instead of by your flesh patterns. You, you choose, consciously choose to address your will by putting away things like divisiveness or gossip or judging others, especially judging your brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, you want to put those things away. And you want to put on 
things like love, things like the peace of Christ. You want, you want to put on joy. You want, you want to wear patience. You want to put those things on. You want to handle the resources that God has so graciously blessed you with differently so that the things that you have are more about glorifying God than fulfilling your pleasure. As you're doing that, you're becoming a doer of the word. And again, we'll dive deeper into some of those topics when we get to chapters 4 and 5. But I just want to close. I want to read these verses to you again. They're not going to come up on the screen, but I just want you to hear them. James chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Or maybe they will come up on the screen. I don't know. (laughs) But I want to read them to you. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself. His religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James says if you want a real deal faith, if you want biblical Christianity, if you, want, if you desire a faultless faith, this is what James is saying to us. He, he's saying go do what you already know to do from God's word. So the question is, what are you going to do about that today? What, what are you going to do about these, these three pathways that you can just dive into? And maybe, maybe you're here today and you need to decide, you know what? I'm going, to start, I'm going to start getting here just a little bit earlier so I can fellowship with some people. My heart and my mind get kind of calibrated that I'm going to get to hear from God today. I'm going to get to worship Jesus today. And, and maybe think of this as not just coming to church, but this is, a, this is an opportunity to be with God's people, to hear from the Spirit together and encourage each other. This is a holy space. And tune into God and, and worship and celebrate his presence, saying, teach me, O oh God, because I want to be blessed by your word. Maybe, maybe you're somebody here today, and, and you do need to get into reading God's word more. And you could start today, you know, you can go online and Google Bible reading plan, read it through in a year. And, and maybe that's what you need to do. You need to start reading God's word. Or maybe you need to start meditating or, or memorizing some of God's word so that you're hiding it in, in your heart. Remember in, in John 15, 7, Jesus says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can ask and it will be given to you. Jesus, Jesus said that part of the key to having your prayer life answered is abiding in the word of God and having it remain and abide in you. And the way we do that is, is memorizing scripture. And Jesus is telling us that's the key to answered prayer. Because you'll be praying the word of God. You'll be praying what God desires. Or, or maybe you're here today and you need to exercise your compassion muscles some. You need to start working them out by getting in a ministry. You know, maybe, maybe plugging in and, and being a part of the third Sunday ministry that goes downtown to help feed Feed the homeless. Maybe it's getting, you know, into uh, at Low Country Cares and serving by, by providing food for those in uh, food crisis, the, those kinds of things. Maybe it's to volunteer over at the Crisis Pregnancy Center. Maybe it's to uh, in, engage in the ministry here that helps moms of unplanned pregnancy. A lot of ways to be a doer of the word. A lot of things that you can engage to do that. And James is saying, if you want the blessings of God from his word, 
Become a doer of his word. Start living it. Let's pray. Father, we, we, come, we come being challenged, quite frankly, by your word today in very real, practical ways. It starts by us coming to believe, God, that your word was intended from you to bless us that it, it could be a pathway for blessing to us if we, would, if we would engage it in the ways we've talked about, if we'd receive it, if we would let it reflect our lives, if it would reflect ourselves back, the, the inner part of us to ourselves, that you would show us what's really going on on the inside, and if we would respond to it by doing it. God, Holy Spirit, right now, would you... Would you speak to each of us where we need to be spoken to most? Maybe it's receiving God's word. Maybe you're here for the very first time and you truly need to receive God's word for the first time. The living word, his son Jesus. The Bible tells us in the opening chapter of the Gospel of John that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was full of the glory of God. That was Jesus. Not only is Jesus the author of the Bible, the Word of God, He was the living Word of God. And He came. And He lived the perfect life. He lived the perfect law. And He died on a cross because He knew that we could not overcome the penalty of sin without Him. And so He took the penalty. And that anyone who would believe on Him God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's the starting point of being blessed by the word of God, the living word, Jesus, is receiving him into your life, trusting him. And you can do that right where you're at right now. Just say, Jesus, I'm receiving you as the penalty for my sin. I want to overcome that. I trust you. Most of us here today just need to go back and receive the goodness of God's word and the blessing by recommitting ourselves to doing the word of God that we already know, by receiving that word and then doing it. And maybe right now, Holy Spirit, you would, you would provoke us to love and good deeds. You would stir our hearts in a very specific way, speak to us and call us that you would draw us back to the firm foundation of life in you, life in you, Jesus, life in your word. And so we come to close our time together worshiping you as that firm foundation, as that, that living word that will never fail us, never fail us. And so we come to worship you, the word of God living. We come. God, I pray your blessings on us as we worship and celebrate you now in all of your beauty and glory as the foundation for our lives. It's in your name.